Okay, so this is my second podcast. I'm talking about highly sensitive things, hence why my title will be started with understanding. But I hope to have an open and candid conversation with my friend Sasha, who is somebody who I always have these kind of controversial, um, I don't know if controversial is the right word, deep conversations about society with already. Um, And I will introduce you to her now. Hey, Sasha. Hi. How are you? I'm good. So today, we're going to just talk about privilege and try to kill the notion that privilege is an insult and instead talk about privilege just as reality because that's what it is. And it's not always negative. I have privilege. Sasha Sasha has privilege. Um, men have privilege over women. And it's it's not only racial. So when we talk about white privilege, it shouldn't be offensive either. So I'll say, like, there's another privilege, which is colorism. Myself and Sasha are both lighter skin tone, African-American. Me, half black, black person. I have a lighter skin tone. I have looser curls. And I also grew up in a strong middle-class family. So therefore I have economic privilege and uh, privilege because of my skin tone. Right, I would, I would agree. I also grew up very middle-class, was basically the only black family in my neighborhood. Um, you know, just, very suburban, um, regular middle-class neighborhood. And people don't realize how much having, I mean, everyone has layers of privilege, right? Mm -hmm. So like what you just described, you might have like privilege in your own community versus like, versus uh, for like skin tone, Mm -hmm. or maybe it's like class privilege. Um, And it's not a bad thing. Like you said, it's just something people need to recognize. So that way, like when you check your own privilege, you realize that, maybe some of the things other people are saying isn't isn't insane it's not crazy it's you know when black people are like hey like i can't do xyz but you can it's not to offend it's not to insult or make you feel bad as a white person it's just to call out the truth exactly and i just thought of another thing um sexual orientation we're straight that's another privilege we don't have to worry about coming out to our parents we don't have to fear about what people are going to think if we're holding hands with our significant others because it's a status quo right in in america being white is a status quo if you just look at representation um, it's changing now don't get me wrong but in many ways and i feel like especially in the climate we're in now it's um, just very prevalent so if you are a white listener i really encourage you to um, listen till the end of the podcast with an open mind. And- also, the other interesting thing about white privilege is you can have it at any class, you know, at any socioeconomic yes. class. You yes, can be yes. a poor white person, but when you walk into a store, people don't necessarily, you know, look at your poorness, for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? They see mm-hmm. you as white. 
and because you're white, they're not thinking that you're going to steal from that store. Yeah. Um, they're not following you around that store. Um, and they're not questioning why you're even in there in the first place. Yes. You're not a threat. Exactly. That's, that's the biggest argument I hear from white people when you say white privilege. They're like, well, they tell their whole life story. And, and yes, you have you do not have some privileges that other white people have and maybe even some black people in middle class have based off your economic past. Like, but that doesn't mean if that's like not the same because not having privilege from your skin is something that is just deep rooted in like systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Or- A lot of white people in these times are tending to make this like high racial um, tension about them mm-hmm. when the focus it's like god forbid we focus on african-american people even though that's what this movement's supposed to be about like the whole all lives matter thing it's it's so and i get like i know a lot of people when they say that they have the best of intentions they're tr- not all people but a lot of people say it but you just too quick to say it and believe it without really thinking about what you're saying when you're saying that because why is it so controversial for us to say black lives matter i posted a michael shea skit on my instagram today and he has a whole skit joking like all black people are saying is that they matter we're not saying white people don't matter. We're not saying Asian people don't matter. We're not saying we're better than people. We're just trying to say that they matter. Like, that's just asking for the bare minimum because for so long, Black people haven't been viewed as mattering. And you know, people need to take the focus away from themselves and educate themselves. I think it's also hard because we, we've grown up in this generation of colorblindness And because people want to be like, oh, I don't see color. You know, I don't look at color. Color's not important to me. Like, um, and because they're so like focused on being colorblind, they don't realize that that is like so damaging and minimizing to what black people go through. So to me, it's like the same thing of like saying all lives matter. It's like, yeah, like, of course, we're all human. We're all people. We all matter. But we're not all on the same level. You know, we can't be colorblind about this. We can't ignore that there's mass incarceration against Black people. We can't ignore that um, police use excessive force against Black people. Um, Mm -hmm. That one guy who, like, shot the church in Charleston, um, that, like, creepy, (laughs) that creepy white kid, I don't mean to laugh, but, you know, like, they put him in a bulletproof vest and took him to what Burger King when they arrested him, like he was yeah. an actual murderer. Yep, and he was treated like royalty. And George Floyd had a counterfeit um, bill. We don't even know if it's counterfeit, right? And and that's the thing is when when we see these white white boys commit mass murder, school shootings, we want to understand why. Why could they possibly do that? What what happened to them? that made them do something so heinous so evil but then when we see a black man being arrested we say oh well he was on drugs well he sold he sold drugs well he he um used to abuse his girlfriend like why do we why do we do that if that's not because we don't have some implicit bias about african-americans and that's very deep-rooted so if you 
don't understand, if you don't see these analogies and you can't acknowledge that these analogies are true, you really need to open a book. I recommend watching, I think it's called like the 13th. Oh, the 13th Amendment. Ava DuVernay, the director. Yes. So Mm -hmm. I just started watching that. But these are things I've already learned in my undergrad at, um, at Sac State. It's not an easy thing to talk about. It's not, especially for Black people, it's not an easy thing to talk about because we're just always assumed we're going to be criminalized, not believed, um, dismissed. And uh, and then when you're white, you have the privilege to turn a blind eye and, and just believe that it's not really happening. And then claim that you don't see color and claim that you're not racist, but by doing that and not actively being anti-racist you are being complicit and you are perpetuating racism right um it's very interesting to me how many people I know have been like totally silent on this issue Mm -hmm. but they have no problem talking about other things like they want to get their hair done they want to go shopping or they just I don't know bought a new outfit for their dog or something weird and I'm like wow like you know, you're actively posting and I haven't even seen like a story or something on your Instagram about any of this, not even um, like a repost or Mm -hmm. anything. And it's just like, you know, they literally have the privilege to ignore this whole situation. And for a lot of them, this is more of an inconvenience. It's like, oh no, I don't know, Target closes at three now because of all of the protests or I can't go do this at eight o'clock because this shop is boarded up. And all of these things. And I'm like, people are so concerned about material items mm-hmm. and not human lives. And they have the ability to do that because it does not affect them. Right. And I, I've been seeing like with uh, social media influencers, all these different kind of arguments going back and forth with some people saying, well, social media influencers are just feeling forced to talk out about something they probably don't even really fully agree with or believe in. I get some people are not social media people and I get some people get nervous about this topic and and don't want to say something and don't like being told that they should say something or feel a way about something. But it's like you have to know if you have black friends and you are on social media and you are not acknowledging what's happening right now, we're questioning you at the end of the day. We're going to question you. Maybe you're completely for the for for all we know, you could be donating, signing petitions. But if you're not talking, if you're not at least checking in, being like, "This is crazy," I'm thinking of you. Like early on, like at this point, it feels like it's probably too late. Like we're we're questioning it. That's how we were. We grew up having this thing in us, and it, and it only gets worse the darker your skin is. Thinking people are gonna think this of me. Because I am brown. People are going to think. So when you aren't speaking out during this time, as such potentially like a very transitional period in our time. Like you're not speaking out right now when we're on the brink of something. It's telling me you stand on a side that's not with, with me. And why is that? And do you not believe what's happening? Like, Yeah, and a lot of them listen to Black music. They love listening to, you know, all of these black artists. Um, Sports. Yeah, they watch sports. Which is Um, tons of black people. Yeah. And even some of their fashion is influenced by black culture. 
and it's like yeah like your whole style and music library would not exist without us at all but yet you can take in the good parts of our culture but you can't you know like sit with us and be like this is really bad you know what I mean like you can't believe us when we're like hey like we don't live the same life you know you do I mean even I like if I don't even look somewhat decent, I don't like going into a store because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want them to think I'm going to like steal something from here, you know, yeah. or if my hair looks crazy. I don't want them to be like, okay, she, <clears throat> you know, she might be a crackhead or whatever assumptions they might make. You yeah. Know? We can't, we can't rock the messy bun. <laughs> no, like unless it's like for like a hike or going to the <laughs> park, some sort of outdoor activity where it's mm-hmm. somewhat accepted. Like, we cannot do that um, at all. Um, it's it's bad. And I would also like to say, I mean, this might be somewhat controversial. I've also seen a lot of non-Black people of color also not quite getting it um, mm-hmm. and sort of sharing their own experiences. Like, well, I experienced racism, too. And it's like, you know, they may experience they may experience racism, but not quite to the same level that we do. Um you know, every group, every minority group, they each go through their own things. Um, Right. But sometimes I think it does more harm than good to try to minimize what's happening right now by trying to say, well, I go through this too. It's like, we understand that, but like this moment in time is literally, we're just trying to say that black lives matter. Right. And I don't know. I think there's also this thing because, you know, what we're talking about, like, how many analogies have you seen for people trying to explain why you don't say all lives matter? Like I seen about 30 at this point. Yeah. So, and I'm just now when I see it's just over and over when you see somebody be defensive about the black lives matter and be defensive about not being able to say all lives matter in, in our minds, I think we're thinking it's out there. It's out there. You know, it's not cool. Like, but I, I think we have to remind ourselves and I always have to remind myself People are accustomed to their community. They only live in their shoes. So who they surround themselves with is not the same people we surround ourselves with. So the people we know are the ones probably posting those analogies who are aware of uh, an understanding. And some other people don't really have anyone in their life who has maybe spoken to them about like racial history and how it's such... I don't know they're just not they're ignorant and that's not an insult either they're just ignorant to it they don't it's not their life so they don't understand and I I do see some white people once they see that analogy or once you word something one certain way they'll be like I didn't get it till you explained it this way and I always appreciate when they say that because Mm -hmm. I mean at least you're getting through to somebody you know yeah I mean I do want to say I do know quite a few white people who do get it you know what I mean oh yeah I know I know a lot like I'm proud to say I I know and I've seen so many people um going just as hard and that's another thing I wanted to touch on is we need white people like we need them because if black voices obviously aren't being heard we're not believed because if that was the case this wouldn't be happening still we need those white people to keep talking to their community because they're associated with more people who have who don't have this experience or don't understand and when they speak out against it it's 
it's resonating more with them than it does coming from somebody of color. Yeah, I would say that like allies, um, allies in every non-black community are very important because anti-blackness yeah. is rampant in just about every single culture. Um, right. Sometimes that's true. Black cultures. That's so. That is a good point. Um, and so because of that, we need people who are white, who are Asian, who are part of the Latinx community. All these people, even in their own homes, in their own communities, to speak about this. Mm-hmm. Um, because <clears throat> without without them speaking to their own people, and not just publicly, but in private conversations. If you're mm-hmm. at a family dinner and someone says something that's kind of like, oh, you know, it kind of airs on the side of being slightly racist, <laughs> um, you need to say something, you know? And I think a lot of us have become, like, afraid of our elders, afraid of our family members we don't want to seem argumentative um but we need to check these people because it's not okay and we're just continuously perpetuating a cycle of racism and it's like as allies they have the power to sort of change that culture within their own communities Mm -hmm. the majority of those are who in power those are the people in power those are the people who have access to make the most i guess the quickest change in a sense um, but speaking of allies, shout out to my friend, Allison Vincent. She made such, she just said something so powerful um, on Facebook today. She said, um, why is it that our parents and our older people always tell us we could change the world, but now we're here and we're doing something to change the world and we're being criticized for it. And man, that struck a chord with me. Cause I was like, it's so true. Like we have all these dreams about America. Like, capitalism you could be anything you want um you could do whatever you want and then we have all these restrictions except for um oh wait no but now you guys are upset and burning stuff uh, nope that's unacceptable um oh wait you guys kneeled for during the national anthem at a football game uh, completely unacceptable like <laughs> yeah it's nobody like, wants to see the world change right i mean literally <laughs> We've tried every single way of protest there is just about. Mm -hmm. And it's never good enough for them. And I think what they really want to say is they just don't want to see protests at all. You can Mm -hmm. protest silently. You can protest loudly. You can be peaceful. You can be violent. And literally almost none of it has worked. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, it's it's sad. I'm, I'm happy that the world has literally joined in on these protests. I mean, even countries I would have never assumed, like right. Germany, um, you know, like Iran. All, right. I'm like, like what? literally all of these countries are literally like, hey, you know, like this is a problem. Um, though I think it is a little interesting because a lot of other countries, maybe they're also fighting for their own issues. I know the UK, like, um, in England, they also have similar issues, although it's a little bit more quiet, you know. Um, full disclosure, sometimes I watch the British version of Love Island, and so I follow, <laughs> I like follow up with some of those people mm-hmm. just because I'm curious, and they're like, the same stuff happens here. Like, it's just not talked about. And I'm like, that's crazy because I think in America, we sometimes think that we are the only ones going through this issue. Right. When it's like, no, racism is everywhere. It has touched every single continent which is kind of sad to think about but it 
it's, it's everywhere. And so Mm -hmm. I'm happy that people are finally talking about it. I just hope that these protests create some sort of like tangible change. Um, So like what's next, you know, like Mm -hmm. how do we mobilize as a community? Are we going to put our money together? Are we just going to keep donating? Are we going to stop spending money at these large corporations that are owned by white people and maybe start spending at black businesses? What are we going to do? Communities. And I loved that um, blackout. Well, I I didn't love it at first because I was really scared. It was going to just silence too many voices and it wasn't going to be utilized correctly but I did see a lot of people like take some time to donate and buy from black business and reach research black businesses and and that was really awesome mm-hmm. I saw a post um by this black owned tea company a Jorn tea or something like that okay. that I follow and she made a good point I believe it's a woman. I don't want to assume it's a woman, but she was like, you know, thank you to all of the non-black people who've spent money on our business the past couple of days. But we do hope that you continue to support us after this momentum dies down. And I was like, that's a powerful post because, yeah. you know, people are sort of, it's kind of trendy right now to like mm-hmm. support black people. And I hate to say that, but I think a lot of people are following the trend. Yeah. Um, and I, I just really, really hope people start to realize that even though our music, our fashion might be trendy and we might be trendy, like our, our lives and our, you know, wanting to be equal and our fight for human and civil rights is not a trend. Yes. Um, and that reminds me of something I tweeted. Um, I tweeted, when are we going to make voting a trend? Because I'll be first to admit, I do not like politics. I don't, I stay away from them. I don't trust politicians. I will openly say that I still don't know if I ever will, but I refuse to not have my voice heard when it comes to being able to control things like police reform. I guess this is me trusting a politician, but Obama said it that we need to focus on like our local and state elections because I've always just voted for the presidential candidate. Like I don't focus on local and state. And now I, I want to educate myself on and learn about who is running our government locally and make sure I'm voting for somebody who is going to, you know, work for change. Unfortunately, it's hard to trust trust them because everybody's probably going to go with the whole, I'm, I want to see police reform change right now. Right. And I think that's when it comes into like looking in some of their past policies or their history yes. or you know because I'm I'm also not as educated in local governments as I should either um and I feel like we all should be because unfortunately I mean I don't know if I'm the only one that's felt this way well except for <laughs> this current I don't even want to call him a president this current <laughs> man in the White House like I feel like he's made things that like maybe I've noticed because I think he's kind of enabled people to like openly hate others but Mm-hmm. For the most part, whoever the president is, I haven't really felt any sort of change. I haven't right. felt or noticed anything. Like, my life goes about normally regardless. Um, yes. But I do think, especially getting older, paying rent, all these things, which are, you know, sort of ran by your local and state governments. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely important to start looking into. Yeah. And also speaking of politics I think it it just reminds me of the media because I feel like people love to claim all the things presidents do and they get that from the media and I I was talking to 
an individual who I grew up with her father. We were having a pretty calm conversation. Mm -hmm. um, And he basically said to me, the reason why I would support protests if they if people had signs that said police reform and stuff like that. He said instead of saying fuck white people. And I was just like, whoa, 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 hold up. Well, where did you see this sign? Because I've been to protests. I didn't see one sign that said that. And I see tons of signs that said things like defund the police, police reform and police brutality. So I'm like, where where are you getting that from? And then he's like, I saw it on the local news. And I was just like, okay, so I I said to him, so I've been to a protest. I've seen thousands of signs that were positive, just fighting for justice. I didn't see one sign like that. And then your news, your news outlet where you get your news shows the one sign that says, fuck white people. And I was like, what does that tell you about your news outlet? Can you see how that, that news outlet might be biased? So it just amazes me how trusting people are of the news at this point. Yeah, I mean, they'll probably never listen to this, but I hope they do. In case, I like to call out the Sacramento Bee for their extremely biased reporting. Um, at first, I was looking to their page a little bit to see how they're reporting the protest and everything. Mm-hmm. And literally, it's been the most, like, the most biased that I've seen. Um, every time they post a picture of protesters, they only pick pictures in which black people look angry but the white protesters look peaceful Mm -hmm. um they posted about a cleanup and they only posted white people cleaning up when i know for a fact there was black people out there because you and i have a former co-worker who i saw on his instagram stories cleaning up i've seen Um, um, a girl i went to high school i saw her mom out there right so they're (laughs) trying to tell a very a very specific view of the story that sort of caters to the conservative viewpoint about protesters, about black people, about black people being violent, being angry. Um, And, you know, the mainstream media has done a very good job at that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been watching more local, not even local media outlets, but like, honestly, social media, Instagram run, run outlets where these people are just out there with their cameras. I don't know how they got press badges, but they got them and I'm grateful for it. Um, (laughs) And they've been covering the news in the most like just unbiased way. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is when they were talking about homeless people Mm -hmm. in Sacramento, they didn't even call them homeless. They called them unhoused citizens of Sacramento. That's beautiful. You need to send me, send me that resource when we're done. Cause yeah. Yeah, I and I I will I will say like it's it's just so frustrating because I don't even watch the news, but I could tell what the news is portraying based off social media because I always see these things what the news isn't showing and and a lot of people what they're reposting what the news isn't showing is cops taking a knee, but what does that really tell you? The media is extremely biased, Mm -hmm. like so. But I mean, the things that really get me are the cops that are speaking out against what's happening in cops that are marching with people, the, the, the people who are in the protest who quit being a cop. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I, I do, I, initially I was so empathetic to cops cause I was like, can you imagine being, having to deal with all these angry people and you are for the cause? And then I thought to myself, 
why would I ever want to work somewhere who is letting me and making me stand against something I believe in so strong? So it's like, I guess everybody needs income at the end of the day. But if your job's not letting, if you're not being able to take a stand saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And they're threatening you have to do it. I would quit. Like, yeah, it's um, so well you know, but whoever your listeners are don't know. So my dad is a retired associate warden for the Department of Corrections. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, he was a parole officer. And I hope I'm getting this story right. He, <laughs> at one point, it was him and I think a couple of his coworkers who, they had a situation. This is when he was, like, doing parole. Um, they were at, you know, the person's house. And if I remember correctly, they pulled out some sort of weapon and my dad de- de-escalated the situation. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't really met with positivity when they got back into their office. It was like, well, why didn't you just like shoot him or do something to him? Like, why did you wow. de-escalate? Um, and it's crazy because, you know, I'm not going to say there aren't any good cops or any law enforcement people out there. Cause of course there are, cause my dad is one of them or was one of them. He's retired now, but the mm-hmm. whole system itself is um, upheld by white supremacy. So it's kind of like, even if there are good people within this institution, the institution mm-hmm. itself is racist. Right. So people I, seem to forget that. Definitely. I mean, and I know sad thing is I know some couple I've met a couple African-American men who want to be cops and be the change and it's just I I don't know obviously I've never tried to be a cop but I just have this sneaking suspicion that the culture is so strong in that career that even people who go in with the purest of intentions to be the change of all colors any race to be the change to help people end up getting accustomed to treating certain people a certain way and yeah and I think it's kind of like in any um work setting you know you have yourself you have a person above you a person above them and maybe even someone above them so even if you're trying to create change if the one or two people above you or the two highest people are themselves people that perpetuate the system of you know institutionalized racism it's very very hard to change right so I think that's why it's so important that people are pushing you know for reform they're pushing for voting in your local governments um we're we're totally off topic (laughs) (laughs) but I mean it's so relevant today but I guess uh we could start to wrap it up um with some closing things on privilege I would like to say to is that having white privilege does not make you racist. Yes. I think a lot of white people, when you accuse them of privilege, they start to feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, they th- think that you're trying to like come at them, attack them. Um, and, and it's not an attack. I think it's something people need to start realizing more like you are a privileged individual um, there's things that come with it and they're they're passive things like mm-hmm. it's not something you're intentionally trying to do like you can literally do nothing as a white person and still have privilege yes whereas we we don't benefit from that and so it's like start start looking at your daily lives the little things that you can do um, <clears throat> I saw a post 
yesterday or the day before and it you know it highlighted all the people who've been wrongly killed not just by police officers but by um white people who saw black people as a threat and mm-hmm. you know it was powerful because it was like you know saying how like white people can walk at night after buying a pack of skittles trayvon martin couldn't you know or mm-hmm. um they can go into a store and spend a 20 dollar bill george floyd couldn't so just think about all of the things that you can do as a white person that you've never even had to question that black people question every day yeah thank you for that and speaking of george floyd in that situation a man came out openly said as a white man i've done the same exact thing and um, now it's just a joke that i have with my friends but except for with george floyd it was a death sentence Mm -hmm. so There's that. And then I would also say, please, please read. Don't ask, don't ask your, I'm open to it, but don't ask your black friends what they should, what to do. (laughs) Do not do it. People are, it's high tension for a reason. I ask that you understand that somebody might be hostile towards you right now and just, just come forth with understanding a book I've heard about a lot lately from white people who, who have become activists and who have became allies, um, strong allies who are practicing, like actively practicing being anti-racist are, are really recommending white fragility. I wish I could tell you the author's name, but if you look it up, you'll see it. It's probably trending right now. Um, maybe even just reading a couple of passages from it, you know? I was just going to say that book. Another coworker of mine shared it, shared a um, post about books white people could read. Yeah. And I, I have a post on my um, Facebook about some books I read in my undergrad that really just explained the breakdown. And it's not just um, the history of black people. It's a history of race for everybody. Like, yeah, I mean, use Google. Google is a great resource. Uh, Pay attention to what's happening. Like, this is, like, this is not happening for nothing. Actually listen to what's happening. And like Danny just said, please don't ask Black people to give you a rundown to what's going on. Um, Danny said she's open to it. I'm definitely not. (laughs) I will not say anything. I will direct you to the internet. I will give you a link to Google. You can start searching things. You have the ability to learn. Um, Unfortunately, there's some of us who had to learn through life experience what racism is and what privileges we do not have. But if you're a person that's that's privileged enough to be on Instagram all day, to be on Facebook, I assume you have a a phone at the very least with internet access. (laughs) Otherwise, you're (laughs) accessing Instagram in some some bootleg way. But you have the power to go to google and to find these things out for yourself stop putting that extra emotional labor on black people um you know yeah well thank you so much sasha you're welcome we need to do this again yeah we always have good conversations (laughs) of course if i don't get banned from your podcast or something maybe i said something controversial (laughs) i don't want to lose my job (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you said anything of that controversial, so yeah. we should be fine. <laughs> Perfect. Right. Uh, lead with love and understanding. 
and